0: Hey there, Zlatko here. Welcome to What Is My Brain podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I get the opportunity to chat with fellow founders and business operators about their journey and how they got to where they are now, where they are going and how they're gonna get there. I'm planning on bringing guests and touching on topics such as running multiple businesses, executing ideas, and just spitballing about random topics and current events. It's a casual conversation and that will hopefully bring value to anyone that decides to listen. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Adi, thank you so much for uh, for being on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I know we got connected a little bit more recently, but um, we were in the same cohort together for Ship 30. And um, I recently you were on one of the Captain Masterminds and your uh, tweet had blown up like, crazy. So I want to definitely get into, you know, how that's been and all that stuff. But I kind of just want to give you the floor, Um, you know, talk about, you know, where where you're based out of, what you're working on, your little bit of your history, anything that's, you know, interesting. Um, Feel free to just kind of tell anybody who's listening what you're up to.
1: Yeah, for sure. And thank you for having me. Uh, I think, and that's, that's one of the parts of Like writing online and writing it on social platforms that I love Uh, from the past six months is I just connecting with people. (laughs) Uh, Like
0: pure
1: randomness or you can call it luck, whatever you want. It's a lot of fun. So, and uh, I'll just start with that thread because I think that thread is actually my story that you mentioned. Um, I've been sort of putting off. I had been putting off writing that thread for almost six months. So, I started tweeting in um, November uh last year and i just wasn't very good at it uh i've gotten slightly better i think now (laughs) so i spent like five (laughs) six months tweeting uh a lot and i just kept hearing that you should share your story online because that's it's just a good thing to do because you connect with a lot of people and i just kept like i had like multiple drafts of that thread sort of like my origin story (laughs) kept and stored yeah but finally i had a chance to just like write it out, and I was really overthinking it. And I remember uh, my wife and I was due to go out for a dinner Saturday night, and I just posted that thread and went out to dinner. And then by Sunday afternoon, completely gone mad. Like uh, uh, my wife came, and I don't really check Twitter during the day because it's very distracting. It doesn't help me write, so I check it in the evening. Yeah. But my wife came and I was like, "Have you seen your thread? Because it's gone bonkers." For <laughs> <So> like so <laughs> then. We- <laughs> I opened Twitter and and I saw my phone and like there were, I think my auto plug for my email had gone under that thread because it performed really well. And I kept getting pings on my emails like every five seconds. I was like, what the hell is happening? So then I saw it. So it was an interesting experience. I, I think I'll get into it a little bit because that's a separate topic altogether. How like virality affected me for a whole week. It was like too much. It's like a hangover, honestly. But a little bit of my story that I'll share, I think, and that's the topic of the thread as well. I am, uh, where I come from in India, it's a very typical path that I followed. I'm an engineer, uh, actually a computer science graduate, and then I did a finance MBA, and then I did investment banking for nine years. I really didn't enjoy, like, I didn't enjoy six years out of those nine years, but after a couple of years, I was like, this is, I don't know what this is, but I kept doing it. I earned more money than I would seen ever in my life, but I also started ending up being more miserable than I had ever been. So it is a very right. confusing place to be in. I think a lot of people resonate with it. Uh, I kept going, eventually ended up being burnt out, uh, went through a period of sort of depression as well for like three, four years. That is not a fun time. <laughs> and I think yeah. that's what my thread is about as well. Uh, a little bit on how i came out of it it was a, a very up and down journey over those four years from 2018 to almost 2021 uh, i started therapy in october 2020 uh, my wife sort of supported me through the process and eventually got me to consider doing therapy and that changed a lot of things for me i like then i went very hard on uh, like healing myself uh, i thought that somebody was finally there who could help me so i just took a break from work i took a sabbatical to focus entirely on my healing went just mad during that sabbatical trying out everything because i had for the first time in my life i had all the time in the world (laughs) because i had no work so i tried out a lot of things and went back to my job worked again for seven months and i felt that i started regressing again because i had reached a point where i was again working like 14 hour days for 90 days straight and I was like what is going on <laughs> and what am I doing so I just made a brief plan had a discussion with my wife and decided to quit so I quit in November 2021 and then I thought that I'll just come on Twitter and start writing online that's when I came across Dickie Bush's account and I I consider it Providence because I had not known about Dickie before that <laughs> before November so I just thought that chip 30 was a very, very interesting concept. And uh, I just had some money to invest because I had already decided that I'll give myself one to two years to experiment with some things and like just try out writing. So that's how I think uh, my writing journey began. And coincidentally, the thing that burned me out in my job, which was writing, is now actually <laughs> a core part of my routine. But in a very different context, it's very funny, actually um yeah it's a little bit about me and yeah
0: I love it I love it man and um so I want to I want to touch on a couple of points there because I think that's very very important is number one is what when you when you started to realize that you were going down this like path of being miserable and not enjoying what you were doing and you were sort of like you say, it's like the typical path for most people is like become a software engineer, go, you know, do this, go do that. Um, yep. What allowed you to sort of break out of that outside of obviously the stress? Was there something mentally that clicked and you just said, you know what? Like, this is it. Like, I'm not going back to that job anymore. Because I mean, you ended up going back after you took some time from your sabbatical for your sabbatical. And you ended up going back to your job. Like, how much time after that did you say, I'm just not doing this anymore?
1: Yeah, so when I started therapy, honestly, I had never done it before. I was very uncertain of what it was. It was very uh, right. uncomfortable, honestly, and to share your sort of deepest insecurities and um, sort of mental thoughts with a stranger. Yeah. But uh, when I started doing it, something started changing. Like, for the first time, I felt. And I had been trying to articulate what was happening to me. And it was very hard in the beginning to my wife. I think it caused a fair bit of strain because I was literally not able to explain what was going on. I just kept saying that I feel low and XYZ. So when I started therapy, I got a positive response from my counselor. And that was the first time that I thought, wow, maybe he can actually help me. So I really went deep in terms of I will do anything to feel better. So that's the first time I actually took a sabbatical and that was I think blasphemy in my job because you don't even really take leaves forget sabbaticals and I was like in the middle of a project now like I just want a break and my yeah. partner was like okay what's wrong with you and I explained to him that I could not go on so I took that break I felt better then I came back because at that point in time while I had been dreaming about quitting my job and I don't I think everyone does at least whoever yeah. worked the job at some point has dream logistics, Throwing your papers in the air and like, jagged. I'm quitting. So I'd always dreamed of it, but I'd never had the guts to do it. Honestly, so when I came back, I started getting a little better during sabbatical, and then I was called back actually earlier than I'd planned to. But I was like fine. But that by that time, I'd spent one and a half months like really going hard on like focusing on myself. So I was slightly better than when I started. So I resumed my work and I thought that I'll give it my best shot again. Like. I had no thoughts of quitting when i resumed and then i did actually i did two projects three projects almost uh, to the best of my abilities I actually handled stress better than i used to before therapy so I, that was promising i was like okay let's go yeah and then i st- thought that i'll start doing something on the side which is along the lines of what i'm doing right now it's like twitter or something online and i've been following a few accounts online that were very inspiring in terms of maybe you can build a side hustle or something and i tried a couple of things while exploring but again my work and I think all investment banking work is of that nature that it just ramps up very quickly. (laughs) When you get a crazy project you really go nuts and if you're working like 12 hours a day every single day like including the weekends then you really don't have or at least I didn't have the mental bandwidth to explore anything. I was just dead tired by the end of my work day and I just either slept or didn't do anything and eventually that started again causing me some stress and Rather than stress, it just started causing me, like, started to question. I started to question what I was doing <laughs> because I didn't yeah, like my Yeah. Money. money was not really the biggest problem because I'd been working by that point for, like, nine years. So, I had a fair sum of capital saved up. And my wife was also working. So, the only aspect was that I was scared of quitting and I didn't know what I would do. Rather right, than, right, right. I think the biggest aspect is monetary for most people. So, that was at least sorted for me because of all the work that I'd done before. I think a couple of factors sealed the deal for me because by that time, I was almost concluding therapy. So I was, I think, at a relatively much more emotionally stable state. By that time, I'd also... Over that 9 months I had culled out a lot of my distractions. I was like an extremely distracted person playing my PlayStation for like 14 hours over the weekends. I sold my PlayStation because I was like I screw that go away. I Yeah. I had removed a lot of distractions because I was preparing to do I think something like this. So I was preparing when I had time I didn't want things to distract my focus. Like, if I quit my job and I had no boss to answer to, I could easily sit on the couch and play my PS4 all day. <laughs> so, I removed that. I removed boobs from my house. I started exercising. I got a little better. Then I thought, then I thought that I didn't really want to be my boss. <laughs> like, even if I spent three, four, five years busting my ass, the best I could do in my job was become my boss. And I really didn't want to be him. So, that is one. I was like, then what am I doing? Like, Even five years down the line, there is no exit plan here. If I take that time and do something crazy, which is what I'm doing right now, I still might be able to get to a better place. Even if not not in one year, two years, I don't care. In five years, there is something down the road that is better than this. And the last bit, I think, was I read somewhere at that point in time. And that is a framework that I now use very, very liberally is Is minimizing regret. Like I've read it a lot now. It's like whenever I think of things that I want to do long term. And like 5 years, 10 years or the rest of my life. I want to do things that end up with the least amount of regret. I'm not saying zero because I don't know how that works. But at least the least. So I just thought that if I quit and do something absolutely nuts for 2 years, 3 years. And nothing works out. I still will gain a lot of experience. Maybe I'll go and work another job unrelated to finance. Or if worse, I'll just come back. (laughs) So, that then sort of sealed the deal for me because I was not getting any younger. Man, I'm not a kid who's like 25 years old and wants to do crazy shit. As I said, (laughs) I took this decision at 32 years old. And I was like, yeah, I can't. I really don't want to be 40 and still dreaming about quitting and doing something. So, I then just quit. It was a interesting decision and seven months I later I, I i have I, I think i'm doing well on my mental models seven months later i have no regrets about it <laughs>
0: so i love that i love that man and and uh i just want to give you um and i'm sure a lot of people have already given you credit on that thread and all this other stuff but um it's very inspiring to hear that from a perspective of how you made that move and i just really want to tell you like Absolutely tremendous job on making that decision because I think not only are you going to live uh, a healthier and a more fruitful life, uh, money, uh, you know, is is just one small component of that. But there's a lot more. You have your family, you know, you you have your wife, you have like you have these things that are there to support you, even through your toughest times, they're gonna be there through the best times as well. So I just really wanna give you, take a second to really give you that credit for doing that because I think a lot of people are in the very same place that you are in. And I think they need to hear that message to understand that there is a better way and you don't need to be tied to some sort of job that you're unhappy with because the internet has opened up so many doors for so many people um as long as you're willing to take that step forward and bet on yourself um you, there's a lot that you can do it doesn't have to be on a you know 300 000 followers it doesn't have to be there's a lot a lot of people that are doing really really well with a lot smaller communities and smaller uh, audiences and so i just simply want to take a minute to say like great job on doing that man
1: oh no yeah man uh thank you so much i appreciate that and on that note i think you mentioned sharing my story and the funny thing is while Virality is something that you know, it was like a bucket list item for me when I was writing, and obviously i wanted to try it out if I can do it. But the funny thing was, I had a lot of unintended sort of consequences of that thread blowing up. And one of the best ones was, one of the worst ones was I got hungover from all the cheap dopamine for over like three, four days, and it took me time to come back. But I think some of the best ones are the flood of DMs that I got. Uh, I got messages from like. Actually, that thread apart from Twitter got picked up by a random online publication and ended up in people's Google news feed, which is absolutely freaking nuts. So I started getting that's messages crazy. from people in real life, <laughs> not just Twitter people, like people who were from my school, college and who I hadn't talked to for years. And they're like pinging me and sharing something about their lives. And I was like, OK, that's pretty crazy. And I got a flood of DMs from strangers. A couple of them like. A lot of them, just again, literally told me what you said. Like I I ended up writing about most people's lives by that thread. I got Mm -hmm. a lot of people asking me for help. At least whatever I could do. And a couple of people started therapy because of that thread, which is absolutely insane to me. Because... (laughs) I think that was a very, very... I did not expect that to happen. I expected a threat to do well, honestly. That was like very mediocre goals for me. But a couple of people actually reached out and said that, yeah, your story inspired me to consider seeking help. And I was like, okay, that's phenomenal. If you need my help, please let me know. I can share my story with you on how to do that the best that you can. So, it's pretty
0: cool. I will amazing man that's that's all it takes is just helping that one person and getting that one person to realize that they can do it and i feel like you know your your job is your job at that point is is done um you know helping and so that's amazing man and so um so one thing i want to ask you now uh you did say obviously you quit your job and all these other things um have you have you started monetizing any of your online content at the moment? Because I know that you have a Substack uh, uh, account and like you're using that to share a lot of those things. Are you, are you sort of like now looking for avenues to like monetize some of these components of like your writing or like what's sort of the next steps of your journey here? I'd love to know what you have, what you have sort of planned to say, let's call it the next like six to 12 months or whatever time frame that you've sort of thought about.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. And something that keeps on evolving. So I'll just give you a very brief background over the past six months of this year. I think I had, uh, when I started this experiment, I had a runway in my mind of around 1 to 1.5 years to figure out something. Uh, And I decided that for the first six months, I will not really worry about monetization again, because I was not in dire straits that i need to do it right away so i decided to invest in coaching and coaches and courses around writing first of all general writing like ship 30 was my first experiment then from ship 30 i actually went to write a passage by david perel uh, which is a very very another interesting experiment a completely different kind of writing school long form writing and my mm-hmm. substack started because of write a passage and that's something that i've been Continuing to do for almost four months now, so weekly. Um, that's a good habit that I've developed. And then I started, then I recently just invested in some Twitter cohort as well because now I want to do Twitter. So for the first six months, I spent a lot of time figuring out how to write and like exploring different forms of writing, almost all of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I've decided, so uh, in the second half of the year, I want to explore. Uh, avenues to monetize my writing so i have like the vision that i have right now is twofold one is short term in terms of immediate monetization avenues that i can explore and some which are very long term and probabilistic bets so the short term avenue is around freelancing so there are a lot of options for freelance writers you can freelance emails blog posts right and like for social media platforms and what i've decided is I enjoyed all of those writings, but I decided to focus on Twitter. So because I was already doing it for my own account and I spent a lot of time learning how to tweet well and how to tweet more persuasively and how to do it better and grow my own account. And then I want to use that skill to do it for other people. So what I want to, what I plan to do in the next six to nine months for my first source of uh, monetization is to do Twitter ghostwriting in terms of helping people build out their account. Uh, grow their audiences have a done for them twitter account and uh, maybe generate traffic and leads for them so that's my primary experiment i've had some experience with it because i got two inbound leads just because of the content that i created i haven't done any outreach i worked with two clients for a couple of months and managed to just like for a starter earn a I think around a thousand dollars which is which to me is pretty phenomenal because I've never earned anything outside of my salary for nine months oh nine years right 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 as a starting experiment that is pretty good I actually at the moment I'm pausing that for a little bit because I said uh, my kids due to arrive soon so I need some time (laughs) for at least one or two months for myself so having clients to work for doesn't really give me that flexibility And I think doing stuff for myself has that benefit that I can dial up and down my work depending on what I need to do. So I'll come back to ghostwriting, I think, by the end of September. Till then, I'll just focus on my own content. Substack is something that I don't plan to monetize at least anytime soon. Let's see. But I do plan to build digital products. That's something on my timeline for next year. Like I'll build my own account. Till then, I have some mental goals. Let's see how far I go Mm -hmm. and validate some ideas and then build some lead magnets, free products, or paid products around that. So that's my long term plan to be able to eventually reduce the freelance aspect of my income and increase the sort of leverage aspect of my income, which can grow without my time. But yeah, I think it'll happen in steps. That's my broad plan and it might change. Let's see (laughs) how it goes.
0: Amazing, man! Amazing. Well, I, I absolutely wish you the best of luck with all of those things because no, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. There's a lot of you know incremental things you can do until that point. And I think uh, focusing on some of those like courses and different things—that's exactly the the path that I'm on right now. I did the ship thirty thing. Um, yeah. Are you you're at the captain's table as well, right? So you're going to continue yes. doing that as well.
1: Yeah, so uh <laughs> i have actually ended up joining too many communities that i can take care of so i am part of the captain's table and i think ship 30 in that sense is a pretty phenomenal course because and they keep on evolving at a alarming rate at a rate that i personally cannot even keep up <laughs> with now yeah <laughs> Whenever I have something to refer to, I actually do it on an ad hoc basis. Now I go to their community and then go through the resources that I want to and then try to apply it to my writings. It's definitely something that I keep as a resource bank to go back to and learn and sort of use. But yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing. And uh, so that's, that's literally what I'm i'm doing as well i'm also going through their mentor uh, academy they're starting to launch this year uh, or this next yeah. cohort i should say um to just try to i love learning while teaching type of things so like having mm. like a group of people that i can help like you know talk through the whole ship 30 thing and making sure that they deliver all those writings and stuff like that at the same time make my writing better because it's something i definitely want to do and then in august on august 15th i think it is i'm starting a uh cohort which is all about audience building and so that's all kind of coming in at sort of the same time so i definitely i'm sort of on on a different um path uh and we can talk off of the record because i don't want to say anything on the but yeah i'm i'm definitely focused more on like the digital product side i love building sas products so for me like That's also awesome. being able to use my personal brand and my Marketing and everything else, and and build that audience, and then being able to have product on the back end that I can monetize, and and really build product around stuff that actually helps, you know, small businesses or agencies and different things. Because I have a lot of that experience building an agency. I have two agencies that I'm running right now, and so for me, that's like really, really um, important, and that's something I'm really passionate about. And same with this podcast, right? Like getting to talk to amazing people like yourself, and and understanding people's journeys and Knowing where they came from and what they've been doing and where they're going and just like being able to put all that together into some like sort of form of writing or, or some form of media, I should say, um, mm-hmm. is really, really powerful. So uh, to me, these all of these things sort of work simultaneously together in one mm-hmm. way or another. And then there's always something that, you know, comes out of it. Um, but I want to kind of like uh, uh, click into some of the stuff that you were saying in terms of like. Uh, um, the ghostwriting piece of it. So how, I don't know if, how much you can go into it, but like, how do you see that sort of working? Do you go based on people that have similar topics that are covering similar topics like you? uh, Or do you like sort of have a format that you say, you know, here's a template and this is what you need to fill in. And then I'll go back and edit. Like, how does the whole ghostwriting thing actually work? Because I, I've had like 15 people reach out to me and be like, hey, I can ghostwrite for you. I can ghostwrite for you and all these other <laughs> things. And I've never, I never take that because I want to, I like doing everything myself, but I'm just curious about like, what sort of format that looks like if you've, if you've had a chance to kind of explore that yet.
1: Yeah, so I spent some time, um, that's a good question, something that I actually spent time learning. I have spent some time learning. i followed a couple of people who are sort of professional ghostwriters. A couple of them I know on Twitter. I studied their process to the extent that i could uh, i've also mm, sort of gotten in touch with them to learn more on how to do that i think it's an interesting process and why i decided first of all into that was because i started enjoying uh, twitter and tweeting and i was able to sort of write a lot of my tweets in um, in batches like i spoke to a lot of people in my uh, early days of twitter just to see people struggling with writing content and like tweets regularly And there are also challenges built around uh, uh, tweeting, I think, tweet 100 and whatnot, just to get people accountable. I was able to write like 60 plus tweets at one point in time, like four or five hours. And I was like, huh, maybe I can do something with this because it seems like it's not the hardest thing for me right now. Yeah. How it works is like, I haven't had a lot of experience with it yet. So I'm still going to experiment and refine the process slowly and like qualify clients. Uh, to be in a particular space that i want to be because i think some sort of content comes easier to me than others for now for example i'm writing for somebody in the finance space that's something that i did not expect (laughs) honestly because i just had like that i was a banker uh in my earlier job in my bio and that guy reached out to me saying that maybe you can write for me because i'm trying to do something around the finance space and you just understand that i was like yeah i do I've never written finance anything online only writing and mindset based stuff but uh, i'm currently experimenting with it and i think it's going well so okay i think it's it can be agnostic of sector but it really depends on and you'll have to experiment with seeing and how you can get results for somebody in a particular space or not twitter is very designed uh, specifically designed to work very well for some particular sectors if you know and you know those kind of sectors like it's health wellness money yeah i think products and e-com that kind of stuff and productivity and coaching in terms of platform it works very very well there are some finance accounts for example that i've been studying so uh, and I'm just experimenting means so how the process works is that uh i asked the client a couple of questions to understand what they want to create content on and how they want to create content on. I ask them for a couple of accounts that they want to uh, sort of emulate or want to work like so that I can gauge or get a sense of their tone, the kind of content that they want to create and their content pillars. Then I essentially do a lot of market research on the client itself to come up with ideas to write about. And also on the accounts that they mentioned so that I can create sort of swipe files for their accounts. That gives my brain ideas to write content for them. Like in my own voice, trying to emulate their voice. So, and the main part of ghostwriting actually is while writing tweets on a regular basis is fine. And you can do that. But tweets are only to remain top of mind. The real results on Twitter come from writing threads. And for threads, you need a lot of ideas and you need to be able to interview your clients. Something that I'm actually uh, experimenting with. I'm not that great at it. By the way, you're doing a fantastic job (laughs) of running uh, this chat. So something that I'm also sort of uh, paying attention to in terms of how... Thank you, by the
0: way. I appreciate that. (laughs) It's been a learning process. It's been a learning (laughs) process.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Because the fact that i am able to speak comfortably because i am not i write much better than i speak so i think making your uh, sort of guest comfortable is is a skill that i've realized so that's yeah thank so you i think that's that's what i do i have a list of questions that are designed to extract thread material from the clients like things like i talk about just i think like we are talking And I'll talk about their accomplishments and I'll ask them open-ended questions where they'll share their stories or failure stories or things that they want to teach about or want to talk about. And then I use that material to construct threads for them. Tweets I can do just basis swipe files. Threads I'll do basis interviews regularly. I just had one with my client a couple of hours before our chat. (laughs) So now I have like ideas of four or five more threads that I'm going to now sort out, clean and build out. And then you sort of schedule content for them and help them understand how the twitter game is played so one is content you can help them with the profile you can help them with how to engage more meaningfully on twitter and how to do cold dms and outreach all of it is designed to get the results the client wants some people want email subscribers some people just want growth. some people want i think leads and obviously everyone wants money so if you have a service or an offer to sell So, getting traffic on it and getting clicks on it really works. So, a lot of things to be figured out there. But in terms of execution, I think it's simple. You make a swipe file, write a lot of tweets, do a lot of interviews and write banger threads. (laughs) So, but yeah, there is a lot of nuance into that simple business model which I'm trying to figure out.
0: I love it. I love it. And how how does the, is the billing, like the monetary side of it, is it performance-based or is it simply like, I'm going to create, let's say, a month worth of content for you and you're paying me this much for a month, no matter what's, what I create for you?
1: Yeah, that's another great question. Uh, it is very open-ended and depends on how you position your offer, honestly. For now, considering that I'm just starting out and I had like two inbound leads without any Uh, effort on my part i actually offered free trials to people just to get some social proof going for my site and those people ended up paying paying me a small sum i was like okay that's pretty great so means i did a decent job there are i think two positions that any ghostwriter can take one is just producing content which is like saving that person time i think that's a fair position to start off with because you get comfortable and you don't have a lot of pressure on yourself in terms of performance. You just schedule a lot of tweets and write like six to eight threads and you get paid. I think, but that has a very status ceiling, I think, I think in terms of how much you can earn because just creating content is not perceived as the most valuable thing. So For now, I'm doing that just to gain a lot, a little more experience. Mm-hmm. And it can be on a retainer basis. I think, What really constitutes high-ticket ghostwriting is guaranteeing some form of results. Either a fixed number of followers or uh, a couple of qualified leads a month or like DMs or link clicks, etc. And that is something that you can then position as a very high-ticket offer. And if you position it to people who are already selling something like entrepreneurs, online business owners who have a high-ticket coaching offer or something like that to sell. So you can link it to their um, sales or clicks. Like if they convert mm-hmm. even one offer, you can charge a higher percentage of that. So I think I want to move over to that side, but maybe in a couple of months when I get comfortable with the first. <laughs> so that's amazing. And how many and,
0: how many? and yeah, how many? Yeah. And how many clients at this rate do you think that you can sustain doing yourself at any given time? I know you obviously have personal life stuff and all this, but how many? Like, do you <laughs> think it's like. What's realistic, like three to four a month, two to three a month? Like, what do you think is realistic?
1: Oh, yeah, that's another good one. I don't really know right now. So I think a big problem would be to take on a lot of clients because then you sort of either stop doing your own content because it's content overload, honestly. Uh, yeah. Or you just do a shitty job, which honestly I don't want to do. So right. I will. I think in the beginning what I want to do is like after these two clients to get some initial experience I'm going to start qualifying people when I resume my freelance outreach aspect because I can make decisions slightly delinked from money because thankfully I'm in a position that I'm not in need of immediate cash from anyone that comes across so I want to qualify a couple of people and try to position something that's a little higher so that I can do it better for fewer clients and still end up earning at least a decent sort of income. So I will start with two people, honestly, because I view my own account as also a client. Like I am always client number one. So there is always one client. Yeah, I need to do my own tweets and I need to do my own threads to build my social proof. And then two more clients. So it's a total of three people that I'm creating content for in a month. And that's a lot of threads. And I'm still not that good at threads. It, they take me a lot of time and mental effort to construct. And uh, that means doing like six threads a week, which is pretty insane right now. So let's see. <laughs> I'll start with two. And uh, I think that will be it for a little bit. And maybe go over to maybe three maximum.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and let me let me uh, just double... Uh, uh, like do a double take on that part of it. Um, writing threads, like where, where have you, I guess two, two part question. Did you get a lot of your uh, thread writing, like skills from the ship 30 stuff? Or is it more like when you started realizing what threads were about going into, uh, you know, studying some, some other people that are on Twitter that you're like, oh man, these people are doing a great job. Like what has been sort of the, the, the f- like, um, gas to your fire in terms of, like, your threads? Like, what what got you to that next point? Because um, that's obviously something that I think a lot of people are constantly struggling with. I know I struggle with that a lot. I've had <laughs> yes. some threads that have gone, I, not viral in any way, but that have gotten a lot more attention than others, where the others I have actually ended up focusing more on and didn't work. So, like, you never know what the game is going to throw <laughs> at you. And so I'm just curious to know, like, what's been your sort of recipe for for getting like good threads out there and and the second follow-up question to that is how many threads a week are you posting right now for yourself
1: yeah so threads are complicated <laughs> i'll also give you that much yeah. i have much much to figure out just because i had like one freak thread go out of control i think i still don't have a lot of uh shit figured out in regards to threads so ship 30 was helpful in terms of understanding threads but i honestly i think i procrastinated a lot On doing threads, I started them very late. I honestly regularly only started, I think, a month, month a half back in around June. Before that, I posted around a total of five threads over five months, which is not enough at all. Uh, And most of them did like fairly average at that point, which is nothing noteworthy. Uh, So Ship 30 is definitely, I think from a content strategy perspective they have a whole module around how you should think about threads in terms of there are two types of mostly two types of threads one is a sort of they call it a reach thread which is more generic in nature appeals to a broader audience and another is a resonance sort of thread which is like more your personal authority or something that you have to share Um, so i think in the beginning it helps if you if you don't have personal credibility you should borrow it from like experts in your field whatever you want to talk about to help you generate traffic and views on your account and then mix it up with your own strategies and as you build credibility slowly start sharing your own frameworks but i think apart from that i have spent a lot of time studying people more than the ship 30 curriculum i have studied dicky bush's account (laughs) and the threads that he has done and he's he's a phenomenal thread writer in my perspective because his account is blown up because he's done threads consistently and he still keeps doing them and I've gone back like to his account. If you use Twitter advanced search, you can go back to his account when he was starting out. And he also used to get like 50 likes on his tweets or threads and study those threads when he was small and when he was doing things. So I tried to study that, how he writes hooks, the topics that he writes about. A couple of other people that I studied since then, I studied Dakota Robertson, if you know who yeah. that is. Yeah, he writes a lot of threads and he had a training in one community where he was talking about his thread writing process. I studied that. I've studied Justin Welch because he has also blown up his Twitter account basically by writing a lot of threads. (laughs) And he had a lot of validated content from, I think, LinkedIn where he first grew his audience. So the biggest part of writing threads is I think the topics that you need to pick. And I'm still sort of refining that. But what I've understood is, as I said, one is, If you have a lot of credibility, like, for example, Justin did, he had a lot of credibility from LinkedIn, where he built a business on info products, teaching people how to build audiences. He used that to write his own threads, which is fantastic. If you don't have established credibility, I think borrowing it from experts in your field is very helpful in the beginning, because people have no reason to either read your threads or honestly listen to you. (laughs) So, and I think that's a bitter pill for most to swallow. They want to share their ideas. And I get it. I also want to but the point is as mr stephen pressfield says in his book nobody wants to read your shit and that is <laughs> something that most people don't want to accept and that's why i think they struggle so once you accept that you can start changing your strategy and eventually keep tweeting along the way and whatever tweets sort of work or you'll always have tweets that have spikes in terms of engagement yeah. or likes or retweets or comments then you should write your own threads on those tweets. Because for whatever reason, your readers or your audience liked that tweet or the idea behind that tweet. So you should expand that into a thread. So I think two types of threads. One is like borrowed credibility for many experts. So I talk about writing. So if I curate Dickie's learnings and use his credibility, that is like a borrowed credibility thread. And if I have one or two tweets of my own that went very good, and i can expand them into a thread that is my own so you keep on mixing them and i think yeah, the hardest yeah, yeah. part of threads is writing hooks that is i think an entire maybe podcast in itself <laughs> i again i right, studied same right. people and i keep studying them and i keep practicing them and i try to emulate hooks that other people write and the more you read on hooks i think the more they seep into your subconscious in terms of how do you write them how do you structure them yeah and that is the hardest part because you can have the best thread in the world and if your hook is shit, nobody's going to read it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It it's crazy. It's like the it's like the article on Google News, right? Like if you see a uh, if you see a good uh, headline, you're like, wait, what just happened? And you click on it, and then you actually get to the topic, and you're like, ah, the, the 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 headline was way better than the whole article at this point, <laughs> but it worked.
1: Yeah, so I think that that's it's, essentially what Chip Thirty also teaches you. The point is, you have to. In this age where you have a lot of people writing and I don't believe everything is of good quality, but at least you need, if you act, are actually sharing valuable information, then I think it is the writer's responsibility to make sure that the reader clicks and reads it. And if they believe that it's actually something valuable, I'm not talking about clickbait and yeah. nonsense this. But yeah, so that I think was a massive unblock for me when I started writing because I just assumed that people would want to read what I wrote and that is a a rude awakening that most people get when nobody (laughs) wants to read it.
0: So... I love it. I love it. No, that's a, that's a good lesson learned, man. Uh, and and I appreciate you sharing all that because I think there's a lot of, a lot of stuff there that I, you know, people can pick up on and, and learn. And um, like I said, I try to keep a, keep sort of this Rolodex of like hooks and tweets and all these other right. things. And then just sometimes, you know, it's very hard to like, yeah it, it's it's the whole repetition thing you like you have to continue yeah. seeing these things in order for your brain to start collecting them in a different way and you know all this other stuff but um no i really really love that and so uh wh- anything else you want to anything else you want to talk about i know we touched on a lot we touched on therapy we touched on you know threads and and your journey and anything else like anything else that you you know feel uh, compelled to talk about in terms of what you're working on or anything personal and how maybe I, maybe even if you want to touch on how therapy, um, you know, helped you and how it let you put your guard down a little bit more because I go through therapy every single week. I go once a week and I, and I go talk to a therapist. Now my other form of therapy is like doing more long form writing for myself. And some of it nice. goes into like the public eye, um, I also have like a couple of like coaches and different things that I talk to on like a, maybe like a monthly basis. So that's a little bit. So I try to have different forms of therapy. Walking is one of my most prominent forms of therapy. I love walking. I have two dogs. They're both sitting with me here in the room right now. And so I go take them on walks, but um, I'd love to know, like, you know, is therapy something that you're, I know you said you sort of ended your session and stuff, but like, do you ever plan on kind of going back to that? And and what are some other forms of therapy that you're doing for yourself? And any yeah, advice you can give to people as well, like in terms of therapy? And because I know it's a, you know, and I don't want to say like it's any like medical advice or anything, but just for like, hey, you got to go in there. Like my, my friend told me one thing. He says, when you go to therapy, lean into the uncomfortable, go, go into the most uncomfortable uh, uh, topics that you possibly would never share with anybody else. This is where it's like an, a safe space to share that.
1: No, absolutely, and I think that's a good topic. Um, I don't know about uh, how it's treated globally, but in India, I think there's still a fair amount of stigma. I don't know around it because I think primarily because people don't understand what it is. I think it's yeah. it has a negative connotation attached to it that you have to be I don't know nuts. To be able to consider therapy which I now absolutely disagree with after going. Yeah. So I think it is meant to solve some form of dysfunction. Because at that point when I went there, I, my brain was dysfunctioning. It was not functioning properly. Yeah. I was just creeping all over the place, all over myself. It helped me over nine months. It takes time. Uh, then I stopped it. And just to answer a couple of your questions, I think I am open to considering it at any point in time, because now after doing it uh, and like uh, reaping the benefits from it, I realize that it's something that you can revisit uh, whenever I think your life situation changes or your context or environment changes, your brain can have a hard time or your mind can have a hard time adapting to it, specifically if there is a very strong Mm -hmm. negative emotion or trauma or a very big life change. I think I might, I'm always open to considering doing it and I've actually become like friends with that counselor (laughs) because
0: he's a good
1: guy and he's actually helped me and through me, he's helped a lot of people because even in real life, when people saw me changing and taking like weird, weird actions like selling my PlayStation, quitting my job, they reached out to me to ask, what the heck are you doing? And I was like, I did this and I feel better now I'm doing that. So then they were like, okay, can I feel better or get better? I'm like, yeah, why don't you talk to this guy? And I can guide you on how do, how I did it. So I think it's helped a lot of people through me, which I now like very liberally recommend people to do. That. Whoever takes that advice and does it, I hope they get better. And I've seen a couple of people do, which is pretty great. I think my biggest advice on therapy is as you said like leaning into the uncomfortable i sort of call it taking responsibility i don't know i think it's i don't know if it's a buzzword a lot of people have written around it but the point is of therapy is to accept (laughs) what you've done and then actually introspect very deeply and that hurts a lot that i think stops a lot of people from actually benefiting from therapy you need to accept that hurt and whatever you've done and introspect a lot and then try to actually change your behavior. You need to want to change because otherwise therapy can just become another venting session and that honestly is a waste of your money and your time because you can just vent on anyone and that's just being a victim again. So the point of therapy is to stop being a victim. And that was the biggest sort of unblock for me and now I've gotten into the habit that I can kind of do self-therapy unless something big happens because i got into the habit of journaling you said like walking is therapy i think journaling is self-therapy because you can just debate a lot of stuff with yourself i journal a lot like when i'm writing i usually go through the ups and downs of writing online sometimes i feel like shit for even a week or two and then i'll reduce my online writing and increase my journaling where i'm like battling or debating with my mind like why are you troubled or what is happening and i gotten better Mm -hmm. at it because I've now been doing it for almost I think two years but uh, so that's one thing I think other forms of therapy now that I picked up from my nine-month journey are you said walking walking is exceptionally uh, good in terms of clearing your mind for me the gym has become a kind of therapy because I started lifting weights and I started uh, my therapy journey and I would never done that before for like 33 years So, the first time I started going to the gym regularly was like seven months ago. And that helps me almost every time. Whenever I'm in a slump or like overthinking things, I'll just go now. I've gotten into that habit. And when you're there and you're lifting weights or busting your ass, I think your mind is forced to pay attention to only what you're doing. And you can't really think of everything because otherwise you'll just drop the weight on your foot and (laughs) something like that so and yeah. it physically also helps a lot because you sweat you're focused and it just sort of clears your mind so gymming is one of the best forms of therapy that i've seen journaling is very helpful writing itself is therapy honestly like journaling is writing but even writing right. online like whenever i express my thoughts you mentioned long form writing that's actually another very good form of whenever you write you sort of clarify your thinking and you sort of again debate with yourself sometimes it helps you process your feelings if you write something that you've been meaning to share. So yeah. I think all of these help, but they are hard to do. And I believe, mm, I strongly now believe that nothing worthwhile in life is <laughs> easy to do because <laughs> otherwise it won't be worthwhile.
0: So, exactly.
1: Yeah. I Yeah. That's about it. Man.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I wanted to quickly, just in the, in terms of the long form of writing, uh, what was... What stood out to you from the Dave Perel, like the passage, like cohort that you did? How, how, how did that affect you? And and how long was that, was that process?
1: So that cohort, I think, is around uh, five weeks. So it's very different from Ship 30. Every week, you get a writing prompt. And then you're supposed to, so the assignment is that you write an essay on that prompt anywhere. Uh, they recommend around a thousand words. So it's not too long and not too short. You can go over and above. Uh, and then you submit it for feedback, which was one of the most interesting parts of write of Passage. It's, it's different from Ship 30. You submit it for feedback. It's in a Google Doc. And then people actually critique the shit out of it. <laughs> so yeah. you have other students pitching in with their feedback, but you have actually dedicated editors from the Rite of Passage team reviewing and critiquing your work. So that is both phenomenally helpful and extremely scary at the same time. Because... For the first time, when I write, wrote my essay, I spent a lot of time writing, editing, and refining. I was like, okay, let's put it out. And it got to shreds. <laughs> People <laughs> told me that <laughs> this transition was not that good. People are confused on this paragraph. What do you mean here? What do you mean there? And then I spent like four days trying to reconcile feedback. I was like, damn, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> so, and I think that was the best part of Rite of Passage but by the end of 5 weeks I had gotten much better at processing feedback and when I used to get feedback I you, I was able to also reject some feedback because I was very clear on what I wanted to write and I think that's the intent of David perel He says that feedback should always be and his uh, feedback should always be directed just saying that this is boring or this is useless is actually pointless feedback because you don't Give constructive feedback. Tell why is it confusing and then how you think the writer can clarify it. So, and he has a framework on it which was actually pretty phenomenal. And that is something that I've started using everywhere now. It just doesn't pertain to long-form writing. I can do it for my tweets, threads. Just any writing or actually just giving feedback outside of writing also because the point is right. always be blunt. The feedback should be direct. It should not be cushioned. Yeah. But it should always be respectful and helpful. Like it should help the yeah. person that you're giving feedback to to actually make some changes in the right direction rather than just saying that you're stupid. <laughs> because that's yeah. not feedback. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Right. Not that's stupid. that's a... Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but most people yeah, yeah, give no, feedback I'm... like that. Most people actually give feedback like
1: that. That's boring. I didn't understand it. Then Please explain why you didn't understand it and how I can help you understand better. Exactly. So, I think that was exactly. a big, big, big I love it. That, that I love from rite of passage
0: did you uh, so you would definitely recommend that as a as a cohort for people to do
1: oh and yeah absolutely if you love writing especially you, if you love long form writing the write of passage is like a cult and i'm telling you it is filled with writing nuts <laughs> people there are yeah. obsessed with writing and that kind of energy is very different from ship 30 i don't know ship 30 was slightly different there People are not really focused on likes or engagement or I don't know what else. They just want to write. So if you enjoy long-form writing, I think it's definitely one of the best things that I have experienced. And it is something that is on my long-term agenda. I think we didn't speak about that. I want to do more long-form writing. Right now, I'm pausing it so that I can figure out the income equation. But I I had built a website. I posted nine essays on it. I really enjoyed doing that. It was a lot of fun.
0: So... That's amazing. That's amazing. I definitely have to consider that because I do enjoy the long form writing, and um, yeah. yeah, no, I, 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 absolutely love it. Well, uh, Adi, uh, thank you so much for absolutely sharing everything. Um, I want to give you. Uh, where can people? Where's the best place for people to, you know, follow you? Uh, oh, I had one last question before I get into the into the ending okay. piece of it. Are you planning on parlaying into into LinkedIn with all your content and everything you're doing, or are you just saying to Twitter right now?
1: Well, that's a great question. So I will go to LinkedIn maybe next year because, again, okay. like this online writing journey, the hardest part is to deal with shiny objects, and LinkedIn is a shiny object for me right now. <laughs> I want to do Twitter the best that I can, and once I have Twitter figured out, I'm going to repurpose a lot of content and then grow on LinkedIn. Not simultaneously
0: (laughs) good 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 awesome awesome well again i want to say thank you where can people follow you Where where can they find you where can any information about yourself where people can can uh, and obviously i will say go read the the pin thread on his on his uh twitter account (laughs) i think it's phenomenal i think it's vulnerable i think it's um therapeutic at the same time i think it's everything and so uh uh, major props on that but yeah let the people know where they can find you
1: I yeah, appreciate it, my man. I think I'm mostly found on Twitter. My Twitter handle is slightly complicated, but it's uh, Aditya, the Verma, A D I T Y A T I C V E R M A, And I'm like 90% of my time since I'm mostly writing online, it's on Twitter or my Substack, but the link's there on my profile. So, yeah, that's where you find me and you can DM me. My DMs are open. I'm always up for a chat. That's how we connected. And this chat has been pretty fun.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on and uh, thank you for sharing everything and thank you for dropping all of this knowledge and, um, you know, uh, about your journey and everything. So thanks for thanks for being on. And I really, really appreciate your time. And uh, we will get connected again very, very soon.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. my friend. It was a pleasure. All
0: right. Well, you made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning into What Is My Brain podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you got some value out of it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button to get notified when new episodes are live. I'm out. Thank you.